Hello and welcome. I'm Lori Hardy. Thanks for listening in as we continue to talk with leaders in our community. Today we are talking with women from the American Heart Association. Dr. Mariko Harper, board certified internal medicine, cardiovascular disease, nuclear cardiology, echocardiology, and she practices at Virginia Mason Heart Institute. Andrea Engfer is a stroke survivor. Six days after giving birth to her beautiful baby girl, 34-year-old Andrea had a stroke. The cause? High blood pressure during pregnancy. Recovery has been a challenging journey as she's had to learn how to walk, read, and write. After spending hours in the hospital and weeks in rehab, she celebrated by running her first 5K post-stroke in October. Cherie Siani, the reigning Miss World America Washington, is also heart disease survivor and advocate. She was born with a complete heart block, which caused irregular heartbeats and had surgery at just the age of 12 to get a pacemaker. Andrea and Cherie are the Go Red for Women ambassadors. Welcome to the show. We're just going to hit the road running and start by having you tell your stories. We'll start with you, Andrea. Sure. I'm honored to be part of the American Heart Association because for two different reasons. Heart disease runs in my family. My dad had a heart attack at the age of 55. He ended up having to have quadruple bypass surgery. That was in 2005. He's doing very well. And then also, I suffered a stroke 10 months ago after giving birth to my daughter. So I feel like because of heart disease running in my family and also suffering a stroke, I feel like my risk is even higher. So I'm doing my part with trying to minimize my risk by eating right, exercising, keeping track of my blood pressure. That is why I'm a big advocate of wanting to share my story because I don't want other women to go through what I have been through. Andrea, we have a friend, same thing happened to her. She had just had a baby, young girl, and had a stroke. I was so surprised I'd never heard of that. I felt like Wow, is this something that could happen? So when you say you want people to be aware, how do we become aware enough before? Well, just like the other women that you know of, I didn't know anything that that could even happen. I was totally clueless. After it happened to me, I would ask my doctors, what could I have done to know my risk? They would say to talk to your OB doctor. And that I did not know. I didn't know that that could be a possibility. I wanted to share my story for other women that are having, trying to have a baby um, to look out for. Because for me, I had no clue until it happened. I knew that I had high blood pressure the last three weeks of my pregnancy. It was actually pretty significant. And that is why my doctor finally said, okay, let's induce you a week early. I'm thankful that they induced me early because I wouldn't have, I don't know what would have happened if I would have gone another week. I don't want this to continue to happen. I just want women to be aware that this is something that could possibly happen and to to be aware of. Thank you, Andrea. And the fact that recovery was a big challenge, having to learn how to rewalk, how to read, how to write, and to think you had no symptoms or no idea. 
it was definitely an eye-opener. I've learned a lot. I know it's only been 10 months, but the fact that I, they, the doctors didn't even think I was going to survive, let alone being able to walk my second day in therapy and the fact that I was able to run a 5K at my six month mark. So the fact that I was able to, to do all of that, I'm proof that I'm a survivor. And that's why I just want to show other women that no matter what, you can do anything. Thank you so much for sharing that. And, and I'm so glad everything worked out okay. That must have been so scary. Our next story comes from Cherie, and you had congenital heart disease and a heart block. Yes. So I was actually born with a heart block. My heart would at times beat at 20 beats per minute, sometimes not even beat for five seconds before beating again. And I went undiagnosed for the first 12 years of my life. So that's really scary. And at age 12, I went for a middle school health checkup when I finally got diagnosed. I received a pacemaker, which is a machine that allows my heart to beat at a normal rate. It helps clear that blockage. And you are Miss World America Washington? Yes. I have always wanted to be involved in pageants since I was a little girl. I used both the platform of Go Red for Women, American Heart Association, and also the Miss World platform to speak about heart health because sadly heart disease is the number one killer for men and women. And it sounds like not only you have these amazing stories, but you're very passionate about what you do. What does a day in the life look like for you? Every day is a bit different because I have different responsibilities. A few days ago, I was on um, Q13 sharing my story. Yesterday, I had an Instagram live with a pageant account sharing my journey in pageantry and sharing how I rebuild my strength after that surgery and how to this day, every day, I have to choose resilience to be able to do the normal things other people are able to do. So it's just about using different platforms and going into different schools and conferences and conventions. So every day is a bit different, but my message and the purpose every day is the same to increase awareness about heart health and to use all the resources I can to inspire people to take care of their hearts and prioritize their health. You're so young. Are people surprised? Are they like, wait a minute, you had heart issues? They are because receiving a pacemaker, I mean, the average age is age 80. I received it at age 12. I was less than 1% of the population, that's less than 1% of the population. And I'm due for another surgery in two years because the batteries are going to die and I'll need another machine. So people are surprised, but I I take my story as a blessing. So now I can share with people that heart disease can happen to anyone at any age. And it's not just a quote unquote old man disease, even though it was very challenging, it, it comes as a blessing to inspire more people to not ignore the symptoms. What would the symptoms be? See, in my case is a bit unique because I can share symptoms of heart attack, but it's hard to self-diagnose yourself for a heart block. But some general symptoms would be like shortness of breath, tightness around your chest, feeling of dizziness, lightheadedness, nausea, vomiting. I always say if you have an inkling that something is not right or not normal, or if you look around and you feel like you're not able to keep up with people your age group, then that is a good enough reason to get your hearts checked. But I also talk about prevention, even though in my situation, I could have not 
have prevented my heart block, 80% of people who die from heart disease could be alive today if they had taken simple actions every day of eating a proper diet and getting at least 20 to 30 minutes of exercise in. Make sure you're getting your heart checked, but also taking care of your hearts in the meanwhile. When you say that, I think of so many women that might feel some of those and they'd be like, oh no, tomorrow or after dinner. Just never, never ignore whenever um, you have an instinct. Don't, don't ignore your instinct. You could, you could potentially end up saving your life if you're able to uh, go to the doctor early enough and get it detected. That feels like the epitome of better safe than sorry. Absolutely. And we have with us Dr. Mariko Harper. I know you probably have a lot to say. Can we start with the article you wrote? February is American Heart Month. The Go Red for Women campaign specifically focuses on bringing to attention the prevalence of cardiovascular disease in women, how often it is underestimated, underdiagnosed, but that there's so much that we can do to bring awareness to it, but also to prevent it. As Shri mentioned, up to 80% of cardiovascular disease is preventable. And there's things that we can do in our day-to-day lives to make cardiovascular disease less prevalent and to bring attention to those symptoms. Particularly, women tend to present more atypically, meaning with more subtle symptoms of heart attack and potentially even stroke than men. So being aware of your symptoms, knowing that while chest pain is the number one symptom of a heart attack for both men and women, women are much more likely than men to present with maybe jaw discomfort, arm discomfort, just a little bit of dizziness or shortness of breath with activity, things that often can go underdiagnosed or completely undiagnosed for many months. Having women know that Cardiovascular disease is the number one killer of women, more than all cancers combined. One in three women in the U.S. die of cardiovascular disease. And to look out for those symptoms, bring them to the attention of your doctor early. And so we can work on preventing problems before they start. I think there still is so much misinformation and myths. What would you say are some of the myths? I think one of the biggest thing is that this is a man's disease. Cardiovascular disease is number one killer of both men and women. And the fact that this is a disease or diseases that only affect the elderly, we have two examples right here with Andrea and Sheree that cardiovascular disease can affect women of any age. It's also really important to point out that pregnancy is the ultimate stress test for the heart. And hypertension is so prevalent. Many millions of women and men have hypertension here in America. Many people, especially when they're young, young enough to get pregnant, don't even think they have hypertension. They may not have been seeking medical attention regularly. When we think about hypertension, it is the number one risk factor for stroke and a very important risk factor for future cardiovascular disease. And in pregnancy, there are all sorts of changes. Our heart pumps, cardiac output, the squeeze of the heart increases by 50%. Our heart rate needs to increase by 15 to 25%. All of those changes cause a huge stress on the heart. So if we already go into pregnancy with high blood pressure, we can really make that stress that much worse. Furthermore, some women develop pregnancy-induced hypertension called preeclampsia, and that really increases the risk to both the baby and mom, usually around the time of delivery and then the weeks afterwards. While stroke following pregnancy is rare, 
Several thousand women uh, experience pregnancy-associated stroke each year. About three out of four women and men who have stroke do have hypertension underlying it. So while pregnancy and stroke are extreme and rare, it's not unheard of. And the most important thing we can do is to control our risk factors now before you become pregnant, to monitor your risk factors during the pregnancy, and to also recognize that once you've had pregnancy-associated hypertension or high blood pressure, your lifetime risk of secondary strokes and cardiovascular disease is higher. So it's really, really important that we work on aggressively modifying risk factors for stroke and heart disease after that diagnosis. What would you say is the best way for someone listening that goes, oh, I need to know more? What would you say for them to do? Well, the American Heart Association website has a plethora of information about signs and symptoms of heart disease and stroke, things we can do in our lifestyle to improve our risk. If there was one takeaway, it's really important that we know four critical health numbers your blood pressure, your blood glucose, which gives us a sense of if we're at risk for diabetes or not, our blood lipid profile, the good cholesterol and the bad, as well as our weight in the form of the body mass index. Those numbers together, especially if they're out of range, significantly increase our risk for future cardiovascular disease. But the good thing is all of those numbers are modifiable and they can be improved by reaching out to your primary care provider and working together to come up with a plan that might include medications that might really focus on things like exercise and diet. But the first thing that we need to make sure is that you know your numbers so that then we can work towards correcting any numbers that are out of range. Andrea, I was thinking of someone I know who's pregnant. I wouldn't want to scare them, but what would you want to say to somebody that you know is pregnant? Well, I would say to monitor blood pressure because for me, I feel like my doctor did not give me any indication that what things I need to look out for. I think the main thing she was worried about was weight gain. But I think also not to scare people, but to at least make women aware of your blood pressure, especially blood pressure, because that was my thing for me. I think that would probably be the main thing to look out for because it's scary to know what can happen. I mean, in all aspects, whether you're pregnant or not, but for sure, definitely while being pregnant, that is probably the number one thing I would want to let women know is just to be aware of that. Shree, I'm thinking what it might be like for a parent that is noticing maybe some symptoms with a child. What would you say to them? Take action. We can educate ourselves with as much knowledge as possible and go read the American Heart Association website, but nothing will change unless you take action and you pair that knowledge with action. Anytime you feel a sense of worry that, you know, something is off, take action, make that appointment and get to it. And I think a lot of eating habits start at a very young age. So I would also inspire parents to uh, make sure they're cooking nutritious food and educating themselves and their children on 
on how to, uh, you know, pick healthy lunch meals and not just go with the normal, whatever the child wants to eat, but actually inspire them and encourage them and tell them the re reasonings behind why it's important to eat broccoli and vegetables and fill your body up with right food because it could help their energy level, help them even save their life. So just take action. Doctor, you talked about self-care. I have this pet peeve. I hate it when it's like, go take a bath. I feel like there's so much more to self-care. So do you want to say a little bit more about that? I think with the COVID-19 pandemic, if anything, women are busier than ever. And we're busy taking care of everybody but ourselves. We are juggling so many different hats and taking care of ourselves comes in many different forms. A bath is great if you relax by having a bath, but taking care of yourself also means taking that time to exercise, take, taking that time to sit down and eat a nutritious meal, to go to bed when you're tired, and to really focus on your health. Make health your priority. If you're having symptoms, don't delay your doctor's visit. Make that appointment a priority. At the same time, if you're having a lot of stress, you're having a hard time juggling it all, it is okay to admit that you have a lot of stress and to do everything you can to lessen that burden. Share it with your family members, reach out to friends, reduce that stress, take that time to exercise, eat better, sleep better. And if you're having any concerns about your cardiovascular health or your mental health or anything else just doesn't seem right, make that appointment with your primary care provider or your specialist physician and do not delay seeking that care because it might save your life. I just gave a young lady a ride for to a doctor for a treatment and she said, put this off for so long because I just thought I was getting old and she was like barely 30. So I think again, people just think, oh, it'll go away or, oh, this is what's supposed to happen. Yeah. And I think with all the stress everybody has, we're all feeling a little bit not ourselves, mm -hmm. but really think if you feel like something is wrong, something probably is wrong and it doesn't hurt to go and speak to your healthcare provider about what you're feeling because you never know. You know, we have two cases right here with Andrea and Shri of young, otherwise healthy women who've had major cardiac conditions. With Sheree's case, it also highlights that while she couldn't have done anything to prevent it, congenital heart defects overall are not that rare. There are about one in a hundred cases of, you know, new babies that are born, one in a hundred might have a congenital heart defect. What Sheree has is much more rare. But the important thing to highlight is that many people are born with something a little bit different about their hearts and they may not even know about it. The vast majority of the time we can treat it, but not knowing about it raises a lot of risk. The other thing is that sometimes these conditions can run in families. So having some congenital heart defects, it might mean that you can have a nice, normal, healthy life, but your child might be at increased risk of complications or similar heart defects. So it's really important that we know our family history, not just for things like heart attack and stroke and diabetes and hypertension, which are all really important, but also for more unusual things like 
congenital heart disease. Sheree, you raised your hand. I do want to say it's just, just like we take care of our hearts. We need to also take care of our minds and really do a self-study of what you're thinking, what's causing you stress and do a self-analysis of how you can make better and healthier choices throughout the day, throughout your week. So you can be less stressed because studies have shown that increased stress and increased worry can weigh a toll on your body and your, and your physical health as well. And what you said about admitting to your family if you need help, I heard the best thing the other day. A lady said, when we ask others for help, then they get to do something that makes them feel good about helping. And I think as women, we just want to be the superhero. We want to do it all. And true confession, I was a single mom and I woke up one night, I felt tightness in my chest. So I waited till the morning. I went to the doctor. They told me it was indigestion. I was so embarrassed. And they're like, no, it's good you came in. And I remember just struggling with that feeling like, oh, I'm so, I shouldn't have gone in. But then having them be so kind and say, always come in. And that if that's what we're afraid of, being embarrassed, put our pride aside. Indigestion is one of the symptoms that women might experience when they're having a heart attack. Sometimes you just don't know until you get checked out. Is a heart check, is that part of a yearly routine check or is that something else we have to ask for? Most of the time there should be screening. You should have your blood pressure checked. You should have your blood cholesterol checked and a screening for diabetes. It doesn't have to happen every single year. It really depends on your risk factors and age, but we should all be aware of what our blood pressure is, what our weight is, and what our blood chemistry looks like when we leave your healthcare provider's office. And they should be asking questions about your heart, about your exercise, and if you're having any unusual symptoms. And a physical exam can also pick up some of these cardiac issues, although not all of them. So if you're experiencing anything like shortness of breath, chest pain, palpitations, which feel like irregular or pounding heartbeats, lightheadedness, that needs to be discussed with your provider so that they can tease out what may be causing it. They may order more tests. I know you two ladies, Shri and Andrea, you came to this work because of what happened to you. But what brought you to this work? I've always been interested in cardiovascular health, but my grandfather had a stroke when I was in high school, and that got me involved with the Heart and Stroke Foundation in Canada, where I'm originally from. And I think the experiences of working with men and women with cardiac disease and knowing that so much of it is preventable with education and timely care, it's been very rewarding. What I love about cardiology is that while it's the heart is a critical organ, it pumps all of the oxygenated blood to the body, it keeps all the other organs alive, but it's also a simple pump in some ways. There is a with science and technology, we can keep people alive and healthy if we know about their symptoms and treat them in a timely manner. And the fact that so much of it is preventable means that I get to talk to patients about not smoking, about exercising more. Less than a quarter of American adults exercise the recommended minimum 150 minutes per week. So being able to talk to patients, meet them where they are at with their diet and tweak things and see them back year by year making progress, going in a positive direction, it's very rewarding. 
I think sometimes it can be so overwhelming if you think, oh, I have to change the way I eat. It sounds to me like baby step, do one better thing, exercise one more hour a week, adding in the good stuff could make a big difference. Absolutely. For every person out there who can start an exercise program that includes going to the gym five, six days a week, there are many patients who want to exercise but don't even know where to start. They may also have other medical conditions that make it hard for them, arthritis, asthma. The big thing is to start small and not to become discouraged. Even five, 10 minutes, walk around the block and come back. Do that two, three times a day until you can build up your stamina. That cumulative exercise makes a lot of difference. And over time, stamina and conditioning will improve and that five minute walk will become easily a 20 minute walk. Then you can start jogging or find other activities that you enjoy doing. Same thing with diet. Rather than go vegan right away, examine the diet and come up with a few things that you won't miss having in your diet. Soda, for example, if we just get rid of the soda, if you're having a couple sodas a day, you're gonna lose a pound or more a week just by giving up that soda or switching to diet. Even better than diet soda, just drink water or some tea. Switching out foods, a little bit less white bread will go a long way. Seeing if there's one more day of the week where you can have a vegetarian option rather than the red meat will already reduce your cardiovascular risk by lowering your saturated fat and potentially your total calories in your diet. Eventually, of course, I would love everybody to watch their their salt, their saturated fat, their sugars, eat the perfect amount of calories, but life isn't perfect. And when we're juggling taking care of kids, extracurriculars, our job, special diets and dietary restrictions, the cost of food, we really can't be so hard on ourselves. We're not being perfect all the time. But every time we reach for our next meal, for our next snack, we have an option of choosing something a little bit healthier every single time. And I think what gets measured is what gets improved. So um, I think a lot of people feel a sense of momentum the first few days and then it kind of trails off. So maybe just like have a calendar in the kitchen where you make a tick mark of the small improvements you have made. So you feel encouraged and you uh, see the progress and you find joy in it. Like you mentioned, you know, really understanding why am I making this choice? Not just doing it, but also reminding yourself this is going to help me in many different ways. I don't know if you remember what you just said, but it was tweetable. Gosh. What gets measured gets improved. What gets measured gets improved. <laughs> yes. I love that. Thank you for that, Cherie. Andrea, I looked like you had something else you wanted to add. I was, and then I totally forgot. That's my the stroke brain. Really? So that's still an issue for you? Yes. I'm still currently in therapy for occupational therapy, speech, and physical therapy. So I'm still doing that once a week, and I still have to do, I guess you can say, my homework to work on during the week. But it's challenging with a 10-month-old. So I'm trying to manage both of working on myself and raising a little girl. And what a great example you will be for her because you've realize the importance. Yeah. And I think as a fellow mom of three, nobody's Mm -hmm. diet is perfect all the time. And my kid's diet is not perfect all the time. And part of self-care and taking care of ourselves is also admitting that 
we're not always going to eat perfectly and feed our children perfectly, but the little things all matter. But being present for your kid and taking care of ourselves is really important so that we can take care of them. So not beating yourself up for the things that you can't do, but also giving yourself a pat on the back when you do give up that pop or you eat less sugar, like really acknowledge it because it is a big deal. Absolutely. Let's do just a quick recap. You're on my screen on the top, Cherie. So should we start with you? Yes, I would say just find joy and uh, improvements and improving your diet and encouraging yourself to exercise. If you're going to pick an activity that you don't enjoy doing, you're less likely to do it. So in order to stay consistent and making sure you're moving your body, pick a class that you really love doing or do it with a friend or do it while you're listening to music. So just find joy and remind yourself it's such a privilege to take care of your body instead of saying, oh, I have to do this. Say, I get to do this. I get to take care of my body. I have these resources. It's such a blessing. So I think if you focus on joy, you're more likely able to improve your diet and your your lifestyle. Andrea, what would you like to wrap up with? (laughs) I would just say be aware. I think what I've learned is that heart disease and strokes, they don't care what age you are. They don't care if you're young, if you're old, if you're in between, it can still happen to you. So to know your risks and to be healthy, I think because of what I've gone through and what my dad has gone through with heart disease, it makes me want to work even harder to eat right, exercise, because it's not just me that I have to be around for. It's my little girl. So I want to try very hard so I can see her grow up, graduate, get married. That's my my takeaway from that. And Dr. Mariko, what would you like <laughs> us to leave with? Cardiovascular disease is the number one killer of men and women in America, but up to 80% of cardiovascular disease is preventable. So it's never too late to work on modifying your risk factors, know your numbers, and seek out medical attention if something doesn't feel quite right. Thank you for that. Thank you guys for the good work you're doing with the American Heart Association and that you want to help women be aware because we take our heart for granted. Well, thank you. Thank you, Lori, for allowing us to share our stories and taking this message to so many people. I'm Lori Hardy. Thanks for listening today. We hope you've learned something and we hope you will share it. Join us again next week as we continue to talk with people that are making a difference in our community. 